Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Welcome, dear audience, to episode 11 of, uh, no, I think it's episode 12 of Monday Musings. And your host, Irada Ahmed, here. Uh, Iram could not join us today due to technical reasons. And we have uh, an amazing guest speaker with us today on board, Dr. Lara from Dr. Lara's Kitchen. So let me just give you a brief introduction to Dr. Lara Gibb, who is a pediatrician turned stay-at-home mom of three kids. And she's passionate about healthy and holistic living. She's also a certified functional medicine health coach. She works with moms by helping them to raise a healthy family and heal inside out, mashallah. And she shares her nutritious recipes on her website, drlaraskitchen.com. You can go also give her a follow, Dr. Lara's Kitchen on Instagram and Facebook, where she shares beautiful, beautiful pictures, mashallah, Allah Dr. Lara, welcome aboard. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you so much for having me. And as you have probably guessed from the screen, today we will be talking about how to have a healthy Ramadan, right? And some of the questions that we will be tackling is why we as Muslim nations have a lot of diet-related health issues. You know, we, we, we think so much about Ramadan we prepare so much about Ramadan and sadly, a lot of that preparation goes towards food preparation, yeah? And statistically, subhanAllah, we, we end up eating more than usual in Ramadan than outside Ramadan. Why is this the case? See, these are some of the questions that we will be uh, discussing today. So, Dr. Lara, what do you think? Why do Muslim nations have a lot of diet-related health issues, be it diabetes or obesity? Yeah, so, um, so I think this has actually become like a worldwide epidemic, really. You know, they, they have this uh, uh, acronym, the SAD diet, the standard American diet, but it, it's really becoming like the standard worldwide diet. And, um, and I think Muslim nations are just kind of following the norm, you know, like blind sheep, unfortunately. Um, and you know, what's really heartbreaking to me is that we really have all the knowledge we need to be healthy, um, you know, physically healthy, mentally healthy, emotionally healthy. We have all that, all of the guidance that we need right there in front of us, you know, in, in the guidance that this Dean um, provides for us. And um, I'm gonna go on to the next slide. Um, you know, I, as you were mentioning, I, I recently became certified to become a functional medicine health coach. And I'm really not exaggerating. Almost every recommendation that's made nowadays are things that, you know, the Muslim Ummah, we knew about for over 1400 years. So um, an example of something that is, you know, like the rage now in the natural health community is intermittent fasting. And we have study after study, you know, expounding its benefits. It's just amazing for brain health, for gut health, for heart health. Um, it recycles damaged cells in your body. So did you know that 
fasting for three, just for three days can completely reset your immune system. And, you know, as Muslims, you know, we should be the experts in fasting. I mean, we should be teaching the whole rest of the world about, you know, all of its amazing benefits, you know, not, not only in Ramadan, but we have the Sunnah fast, you know, the twice a week fast and, you know, the, the white days, the three days a month. So, you know, this is something that we should really be the experts on. Um, another one is sleep. So, you know, in my functional medicine training, they constantly talking about the importance of sleep, how important it is to get a good night's sleep, you know, and, and it's important for every single process in our body and literally every aspect of our health, you know, depends on a good night's sleep. And, you know, as I'm sure, you know, it's the sunnah to sleep after Isha prayer, you know, so it, it's just, it's right. That guidance is right there for us. Um, walking, you know, it's, you know, nowadays they're saying that, you know, you don't have to be a marathon runner. You don't have to be lifting heavy weights every day, just simply walking, you know, 30 minutes a day is so beneficial for our health. And, you know, that's kind of incorporated into our Dean as well, you know, walking to the masjid five times a day. Um, and then, you know, like not, not filling ourselves. So we have this rule of thirds, which the, the Prophet Salaam taught us about, you know, one third for food, one third for drink and one third for air. Um, and then another really big thing in the natural health community now is like this whole mindfulness. So, you know, just taking time out of your day for meditation, for prayer, for reflection, um, you know, that's so important, you know, especially mm -hmm. nowadays, like there's just so much stress and anxiety in our lives. And so just taking that time, you know, and it's like already there for us five times a day, you know, to just take that moment, you know, to reflect. So it's, it's just, it's all there right in front of us. We just need to heed all of this, you know, amazing advice. Yeah, it's kind of like, the, yes, the thing is, our Dean, it provides all this tools and strategies and solutions right because we we know that islam has a solution for a holistic lifestyle right it's not just for spirituality it's for your body for your for, for everything for your relationships but why we have why can't we use that to our advantage right like why we have we had access to all this um knowledge and information from our dean but subhanallah unfortunately we don't implement is it something that we take our health for granted is it a is it a, an attitude amongst us that you know to put our health uh, our own health last what 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 do you think is the you know the the root of the problem why we have access to this information uh, based on our dean but when it comes to implementation unfortunately we don't right yeah yeah and and i think during ramadan specifically i think the reason for that is that um a lot of times we're kind of missing the whole point of the month so um and, you know, just like going back to what I was saying about the natural health community and all, of, you know, all of these, um, you know, popular concepts that are going around the internet now and everything. A big one is about detox. And, you know, mm -hmm. you, I mean, I think you, you can't visit any 
natural health website without at least seeing something about detox, right? And, you know, what is Ramadan? You know, it's the entire month is essentially an enormous detox, you know, for us physically, for us spiritually. So, you know, the importance of Ramadan is not the food. I mean, this should actually be, you know, one of the, the least of the things that's keeping us busy, you know, during the month is the food, you know, especially we're not supposed to be eating as much. So you would think that we wouldn't be spending so much of our time and attention thinking about food, but unfortunately it becomes like the main point for a lot of people. And, you know, a lot of people, you, they say, okay, well, they think to themselves, well, I need to prepare myself, you know, for Ramadan and what, in what form does, you know, that preparation come for a lot of people. It's about, you know, going to the grocery store, you know, stocking the freezer with sambusa and lugemat and, you know, all of yes. these, you know, the favorite foods Yes. rather than like making goals for the month and, you know, preparing your body physically by increasing your sunnah fast, you know, the month before. And so I think we need to kind of revise our idea of like what it means to prepare for Ramadan. I mean, if you just think like if you were to take a big trip, somewhere for 30 days, you know, just imagine all the preparation you would make, you know, getting the tickets, getting the accommodation. Yeah. You know, food would be a part of that, you know, where you're going to eat and how you're going to eat, but it's not going to be like the main, you know, most important thing. I mean, there's so many yeah. other things that you prepare for, you know. And, and it's, it's interesting to note, you know, I was researching, it's interesting to note that how every other grocery stores and supermarkets chain chain supermarkets they actually increase their sales the food sales specifically right in ramadan so everybody is like everybody supposedly to be eating less but we end up spending way more because according to again statistics that their their sales triple in ramadan you know for every other food item and um, let's just be honest, yeah, we love our iftar parties, we love our get-togethers with family and friends, but do, do, do you think we end up eating more in Ramadan than outside Ramadan? Yeah, definitely. And, um, and you know, I think that one thing um, can really help with this. So, you know, a lot of times during Ramadan, pe people's sleep um, patterns will become, you know, really backwards so that, you know, they'll stay up very late at night and then they'll sleep, you know, maybe until the whole, or even, you know, people who are not working or, you know, the younger generation, they might even, you know, sleep until it's almost Asr time and then just get up and really quickly pray the and pray Asr and, you know, and, and so when, when your sleep schedule is kind of turned around like that, you know, not only is that harmful for our health, but I think we miss out on a lot of those psychological and, and physical benefits of fasting. So, you know, I mean, there's supposed to be a little bit of hardship there, you know, I mean, it, it's, that's kind of where a lot of that benefit comes in is that, you know, in a, if you're sleeping most of the day and staying up all night, you know, there's not really going to be much hardship there. And so you're not going to get those benefits, um, you know, and like we were talking about the detoxing, um, you know, just being aware of those less fortunate, you know, yes. making have more gratitude, you know, for everything that Allah has given us, you know, all of those wonderful benefits of, of fasting. Um, you know, unfortunately, 
we tend to not really appreciate things until they're taken away from us. I think that's just human nature. So, you know, when, yeah. when you're spending all of that time without food and it, it really, you know, really makes you appreciate what you have. So I think just trying as much as possible to keep that same sleep schedule that you have the rest of the year. Um, and, you know, if you want to spend more of the night in prayer and you're not getting as much sleep for that reason, you know, you can always take a short nap after the horror, you know, to kind of revive yourself. Um, but yeah, I, I like personally, I found that make trying to make my sleep schedule as normal as you know how it is the rest of the year is really beneficial for me and then you know you're obviously not going to be eating as much because you're going to be sleeping you know more of the time you know at night yeah you otherwise be eating yeah staying I, I think definitely staying up more of the night uh just encourage people to eat more yeah. because you know you you, you will get hungry right if you stay awake, uh, you will get hungry. And subhanAllah, you know, I, it reminds me another article that I read, I read a while ago about the importance of sleep uh, and healthy sleeping, sleeping routine and how it affects children's behavior. And I was just thinking, you know, um, I've worked in uh, schools around Middle East and I, I have seen um, a lot of uh, behavior related issues not that it doesn't exist everywhere else it does but I think a lot of the behavioral problems that we encounter in children especially young children are also directly related to their diet and sleeping patterns right do, do, do you agree with me right do, now we have like you said you know we have more and more information coming out about the relationship between our diet and sleep to how it affects on a daily, daily basis, right? The, the, the way we um, deal with things and um, the way we um, get on with our daily lives, basically. And uh, so we, we ha how can we use this to our advantage? You know, what advice do you give to parents with young kids and uh, especially kids who started fasting, you know, full fasts. And um, often we as a parent, we think, right, uh, you know, just let them sleep and they're young, they're fasting. So um, they end up sleeping, like you said, most of the day they, they sleep maybe till after Asr, right? And then they just wake up just before Maghrib and read a bit of Quran and just join in the iftar. And do you have any advice to uh, parents with children who have started fasting, you know, uh, practical tips maybe, what can they do to um, kind of get the right uh, sleeping routine yeah. as a family? Yeah, um, and you know, I think this is something that, um, you know, everyone kind of has to find their own patterns and, you know, what works for them because it's gonna be very individualized. Um, so I'll, I'll just tell you like what, what I try to do personally. I mean, which may not work for other yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be lovely. Yeah. I mean that, you know, the way that other people do it is wrong or anything, but um, so for me, like, cause I have also had a lot of people come and tell me like, Oh, just let them sleep. You know, they're still small and you know, they want to, they want to try to fast and, you know, you don't want to put too much hardship on them. So just let them sleep as, 
stay up as late as they want and sleep in just to make it easier for them. Um, but I don't know, for me personally, I feel like I would rather focus on keeping them as healthy as I possibly can, which includes, you know, going to bed relatively early. I mean, yes, it's a little bit later than maybe the rest of the year, but you know, I'm not going to like let them stay up until Fedger very, very late and just focus on keeping them healthy as much as I can, even if that means that they're not able to make it until Maghreb, you know, I mean, I, I know that a lot of people might disagree with me on that, but I just feel like focusing on their health and, you know, keeping them healthy and making sure they get enough sleep is, you know, equally important. And then, you know, if, they're, if they're not able to make it, they can only maybe fast until Asar, you know, I mean, that's at least a big accomplishment, you know, especially for small kids, you know, who, you know, are not used to it. Um, so I don't know. I mean, that's just how I like to do it, but I know that, you know, everybody has their own kind of way to approach it. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'd also like to share my experience. Uh, alhamdulillah, I have uh, four children who fast, you know, for the past few years, they've been fasting. And uh, no, I have not been able to keep up with uh, the bedtime routine that we usually have outside Ramadan. No, they stay up till uh, Fajr, you know, and uh, which I kind of get on with it in Ramadan. It's okay, yes. But my problem is after Ramadan, it takes ages to get back to the normal routine. It takes forever. I remember last year, right? We were in a lockdown, full lockdown. And on top of that, we, um, I had to deal with this kind of, you know, I had to juggle with this uh, mismatching uh, routine for I think three months after, after Ramadan. And we all got so depressed by the end of it, right? SubhanAllah, straight after Ramadan, we're like, okay, we should try to sleep earlier now. Ramadan is over, you know, uh, get to bed early and wake up early. No, it's really difficult. Once that sleeping pattern is messed up, it take it, you can't just switch back in a day like that, right? So, um we all got depressed. Like there were days, like I, I would wake up early, you know, get things done. And then like you, I literally see kids for maybe an hour or two because then I want to sleep at night and that's the time they're getting active, you know, they're doing things. And I'm like, Oh no, you know, I just want to sleep. So you kind of live in the same household you share, you share, you know, you're under the same roof, but it is possible that you, don't see each other much of the day because you have this really dif different, uh, you know, you are on the different end of uh, this routine, subhanAllah. So, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you, you know. I think we should try to keep uh, as normal as possible. Yes, you know, delay the bedtime, yeah, longer than usual, but definitely not till, um, not till Fajr which is what uh, my kids were doing. You know, they, they were staying up way after Fajr as well. And that, that's their response, that we, we just want to sleep during the day so we just don't feel the, you know, the hunger, right? So it's just, it's just easier. And subhanAllah, then it's difficult to go back to the normal routine. Yeah. 
Yeah, and what you mentioned about um, feeling kind of depressed after a while, I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, when you're, when you get into that kind of sleep schedule, you literally don't see much of the sun, you know, because you're, you're just sleeping a lot of the day, you know, and then maybe just getting up, you know, a few hours before sunset. And so that, you know, psychologically that affects our brain as well, just not having that sun exposure. And that can lead to, you know, these feelings of depression. And, and, and I think also um, just when I compare myself, like, so my husband, so, you know, I, I'm a revert to Islam. So when I accepted Islam, I was not used to this fasting at all. I mean, it was very, very difficult for me at the beginning. I'd get horrible headaches and just feel so weak. And my husband, you know, who has been fasting since, I don't know at what age, but, you know, since a young age, mashallah, it's very easy for him. You know, I mean, it doesn't affect him that much. And so I think this is kind of all part of the training that we need to put our kids through. Yes, it's difficult to see them hungry and, you know, of course there are kids, we want to give them everything. We want them to be happy and comfortable, but, you know, that's kind of part of that training is just to have them experience a little bit of that, you know, difficulty, you know, it, yeah. it, it's a lot easier. I think when they become adults, it makes fasting a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't remember how many times, you know, we've had this uh, talk and discussion with my kids where I keep saying, Oh, the children back in England, you know, they fast and they go to school. They never have time off uh, during Ramadan and they, they wake up as normal. They go to school as normal. And all the Muslim friends and family that we know, you know, they don't get this kind of special treatment in, in Ramadan. So they, they have to keep up with the regular routine. They wake up early, they go to school, they go to work, they fast, they come home, you know, and I think that makes them more resilient because I've certainly seen, you know, a lot of young people in England uh, who were fasting and they were sitting their GCC exams and we're talking about, you know, three hour exams where they're not allowed to have, you know, a sip of water and, it makes them more resilient, right? Like they, they, they can do it. And especially in England, the days are much longer than here, much longer than here. So I'm always reminding them like, look, just because you're here, you know, you have the Ramadan off, mashallah, you're so lucky, doesn't necessarily mean that you have to spend the whole day sleeping because you're fasting, right? Everywhere else, uh, young people like you are fasting and they're just going to school or going to work or just getting on with it. I think um, having that kind of discussions with your children, like open discussions, definitely important. And also, like, I think as a parent, we need, we need to have more authority. We need to have more authority and uh, try to put them to bed earlier. It's, it's, I find it still, subhanAllah, you know, with older kids, very difficult with yeah. uh, like 15, 16 year olds, they're very difficult. Yeah. SubhanAllah, Allah, Allah make it easy. But yeah, definitely sleeping is uh, one of the issues that uh, helps us to get the maximum out of Ramadan, right? SubhanAllah. Yeah, yeah. I think it can also help, um, you know, especially for, like for the younger kids who have not reached puberty and they don't have to fast but maybe they want to fast I think it can help like if they do if you are able to wake them up at a relatively you know normal time in the morning like an early time and then they're not mm -hmm. able to make it to maghrib 
to like to kind of instill in the kids that that's not a defeat that that's actually you know like let's say for example they fast until asar you know make like a big deal about oh mashallah you know you made it until asar this is great you know rather than making them feel like oh i failed i didn't make it until maghrib you know you know just really encourage them to just do as much as they can you know and i think that will maybe make it a little bit easier for them you know to to keep that normal sleep pattern Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And uh, another the, uh, and another thing that we we have to discuss when it comes to Ramadan is our diet. Yeah, do you think do you think we eat healthier in Ramadan, healthier or unhealthier? Uh, if you compare your own diet in and outside of Ramadan, you know how healthy or unhealthy is it? Because like for me, definitely. Uh, especially when we go to iftas, we end up eating more fried food than usual. And there's never ending uh, uh, desserts as well, right? Sweet, sweet dish, subhanAllah. Everybody, every day is like, oh, you know, outside Ramadan, we don't usually have a, a dessert daily, not necessarily. But in Ramadan, again, like children, like, okay, what's after food today? Um, subhanAllah, if I, in my personal experience, if I compare what most we and our family and friends eat in and out Ramadan, I think we definitely eat a little bit unhealthy in Ramadan. Um, what do you think, uh, Dr. Laura? What, yeah, you know? um, yeah and, and actually I think, um, you know, what you just mentioned about going out to iftars and stuff, I think that this Ramadan is, um, and, and the last one as well, is a really unique opportunity to kind of help us to make um, like a healthier Ramadan, more of a habit because of, you know, the um, social distancing and all of that, you know, we're not able to go to iftars, right? So in, in a lot of people, in a lot of areas of the world, you know, restaurants are closed. And so yeah. really are forced to eat at home and so you don't have as many of those temptations of parties and, you know, iftar gatherings where there's all of these unhealthy foods. So I think that's like, we can really um, use that as an opportunity to, you know, just focus on keeping things healthier. Um, and, you know, I think with a lot of people, there's this idea of, okay, well, I was fasting all day. So therefore, you know, it's okay to treat myself with, you know, all of these fried foods and sugary foods. And, um, you know, it's just, I guess, kind of human nature to, you know, when you've been depriving yourself all day to feel like, oh, I, you know, I deserve a treat, you know, I made it through the whole day, you know, without eating. Um, yeah. So I, I think, I don't know, like just for, for me, what I try to focus on in my routine is simplicity. So usually like, you know, we'll break fast with a few dates. Maybe we'll have some like melon or, you know, some, uh, some kind of fruit that has a lot of moisture in it. Maybe mm. some like healthy soup that I, you know, make with bone broth or maybe a smoothie. A smoothie is a great, you know, way to break your fast. Um, and then, you know, we'll go and pray Maghrib, we'll come back and then we'll just have like a normal kind of meal you know, that we would have any other time of the year. Um, but, you know, I think it's really important since you're hopefully not eating as much to just focus on making that meal 
as nutrient dense as you possibly can. Um, you know, so every meal needs to really count, you know, because you're not eating as much. And then, you know, but I think at the same time, it's important to have balance. So, you know, my kids, they do love their sambusas, you know, so yeah. occasionally we'll have, you know, I'll either bake them or use like an air fryer to make, you know, just try to find like healthier options for the things that you love. So, you know, you don't feel that, that you're depriving yourself, you know, of something that, you know, uh, yeah. Yeah, we definitely, we don't want to, it has become in a sense, you know, Ramadan has become in a sense kind of like food festival for many Muslim nations and yeah. we all enjoy it. There's no denying, right? There's no denying that we we all love Ramadan. We all love iftar parties and we all enjoy it. And we, we really enjoy, especially the moment before you break the fast, you know, there's no time outside uh, you know during the year where we set up the table like the way we do in Ramadan you know we just pay so much attention to uh, our food subhanallah and um, but yes again like like you said I've heard from so many people that oh I ended up gaining weight in Ramadan have you have you heard that a lot of people usually say like oh I put on weight in Ramadan yeah a lot yeah and I think like what you were just saying about, um, you know, preparing the table and making it so elaborate. I mean, the ironic thing is, is, you know, I'm sure that you've noticed this when you're fasting and then you go to break your fast, you know, pretty much everything tastes incredibly delicious. You know, I mean, you could eat like an apple and it's just going to taste, it's going to be like the best apple you ever had because you've been fasting all day, you know? So we don't actually really need to fill the table with all of this like very sugary fried, you know, delicious foods. Um, we don't, we don't even really need to do that because even just the simple foods that we have every day are going to just taste so delicious, you know? Yes, I, I agree. Absolutely. And I just want to mention the practice of this one family, because you said dates. Yeah. And, uh, we, we we went to Medina recently and we stayed with we went to visit this one family and um, where the sister was telling me you know they, and they gave us uh, we were staying with them for three days they gave us dates and every morning she was saying intentionally as a family they have like three or five dates with milk and um, and she makes her children eat you know, the odd number of dates uh, every single day with milk. And she, she does it so intentionally with the purpose of following the sunnah, right? And I was so impressed by, like, by her practice, right? We all know this. Uh, we all know this, right? The Prophet, وسلم, it, it was like her main, uh, their, their main diet in during his time, sallallahu was diet and milk and he used to have diet a lot and you know he's he said that you know having odd number of ajwa a day you know keeps you healthy and we have we have so many hadith related to dates and um but the way she diligently does this like so intentionally as a family and she was telling me, you know, like my kids have never been to hospital, you know, like for years and we've never been to hospital. And this is one thing that I I am very 
you know, I feel so strongly about and I do daily. And I was really impressed by her practice. I am, I am even said to my husband, you know, we have to do this. We have, we, you know, we have dates in the house all the time. But yeah. we as a family don't like, you know, it is there. But we're not intentional. Like anybody just can help themselves whenever they want. But like as a family, then I start saying to my children as well, like, you know, have odd number of dates every day. Like every morning, I'm like, come, everybody sit down, have your days. You know, it's okay if you don't want, just have one. If you can't have three, have some with milk. And I started doing it on and off. And it's really beautiful practice. You know, like, like you said, keeping it simple, simple things like this, simple practices from the sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu it, it helps to nourish our body and our health because it has a lot of benefits, right? SubhanAllah. Sure, yeah. And, and, you know, I think when you, um, when you lessen the amount of sugar that's in your diet otherwise, like, you know, the candies and processed foods and all of that, when you try to lessen that, then actually something like a date, it just tastes so sweet to you, you know, because you have kind of lost, you know, all of these processed foods, they have so much sugar and chemicals in it to make it addictive. And so it kind of messes up your ability to really um, appreciate like, you know, the natural sugars. So I, mm -hmm. I think that's a big thing too. If you can cut down on those, then the dates will be more than enough sweetness for you. You know, you, you won't need anything else really. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we, we've all heard that saying that we are what we, we eat, yeah? We, we are what we eat. And like you said, there's so much information nowadays how diet directly impacts the way we think and the way we, you know, operate. Um, can you just elaborate more on that? You know, how does diet, like we are what we think, how can you, how can you explain it better? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, the, the building blocks of, of what we are physically, you know, comes from the food that we're ingesting, right? So, you know, if we're invest if we're ingesting a bunch of junk and you know fast food and processed foods and things that are you know have a lot of um added sugar and you know sodas and this type of thing um you know your body is not going to have those building blocks um that it needs you know to build muscle to to build you know to replace uh you know um cells that have you know, become old and damaged to, you know, for your brain health, for really for every aspect of your health and not just physically, but mentally as well. I mean, um, when my kids were younger and this is kind of before I, you know, got into natural health and, and I guess at the time I thought I was eating healthy, but now when I look back, I, you know, I, I don't really consider that I was eating very healthy, just, you know, a lot of like packaged processed foods and, you know, things that have all these foods that have a lot of um, chemicals and additives and all that. And I noticed when I just slowly, slowly started to make changes, like trying to reduce the sugar and just getting used to reading the labels on everything that I buy, you know, I mean, mm. I think a lot of people don't, 
you know, they, they don't get in this habit of reading the labels and seeing, okay, what, what actually am I putting into my body, you know? And so when I did mm-hmm. that and I started to realize like, okay, these are the things that I need to avoid, you know, in the, in the packaged foods. And these are the things that are not harmful. Um, it just changed my kids behavior so much. I mean, they just became, um, kind of, you know, not as hyperactive and like able to focus better on their schoolwork and, um, you know, so yeah, it just, it really just affects every, you know, aspect of our, of our health. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why we read, you know, we read in the news that a lot of parents with children, you know, ADHD or learning disabilities or even autism, they're now turning to diet, right? to overcome some of the challenge that they experience with their children who have maybe uh, special needs and um, there's more and more coming out Uh, because you know when we were young like uh, our moms used to say like oh don't have too much candy or sweet because your teeth get damaged that's what we were told right but now we know that there's there's so much more there's so much more beyond getting your tooth damaged you know it affects not just teeth but it affects every part of your body and including the brain you know your attention span and the the way you focus and think clarity and subhanallah yeah dr dr laura when it comes to mindful eating i've been looking at this bullet point right subhanallah what 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 does mindful eating involve you know how can we eat more mindfully Yeah, so um, I think this is really, I mean, obviously it's important like in the, in the whole year, but I think it's particularly important during Ramadan because, you know, in Ramadan, you know, you're fasting all day, it's time for iftar, you're hungry, you're thirsty, you're weak, you're, you know, you're tired, you just want, you want to just like inhale, you know, everything that's on the table. And, um, and so I think that's actually part, maybe part of the problem. You know, we, we were talking before about how many people actually end up gaining weight during Ramadan. And I think that's part of the problem is that they don't have this um, mindful eating. And so, you know, mindful eating is really the practice, the, the process of really paying attention to your eating experience without any judgment. So it sounds very simple, but it's really a struggle for a lot of people. I mean, me personally, so I grew up with three brothers and, you know, mealtime was like, I I kind of had this feeling when I, I remember when I was little of like, okay, you need to eat fast or it's going to be all gone. You know, like when you're, Mm. when you're competing with three boys. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it can be something like from childhood, you know, that we, um, that we just kind of learn these habits. And then for me, like, you know, even as I grew up, then it was like, I'm in university and I'm always in a rush. And then I'm in medical school and I'm in even more of a rush. And then I'm in residency, I'm in even more of a rush. And it's like eating just becomes something that you quickly do, you know, so that you don't, so that you have energy to get through your day. Um, So this mindful eating, it really takes time and dedication um, to master it. And I think you really need to be patient and, and really kind with yourself. Um, 
you know, because otherwise, you know, if our time comes and it's like you've devoured everything before you even know what happened, you know. Um, so I, I'm just going to go on to the next. I just made up this little slide about ways that we can become, um, that we can eat more mindfully. Mm. So put the first one is putting away all electronics. You know, this can be a really big distraction. Um, and, you know, I feel like when when everyone is sitting down as a family eating together, maybe it's not as much of an issue, but um, yeah, but this can be a big one with people that they just get so distracted by the electronics and then, you know, they're not actually even paying attention to what they're eating. Um, the second one, so preparing your food mindfully. So if you're the one that's doing the cooking, you know, while you're cooking, you can really um, remind yourself to just pay attention to, you know, the smells, the sounds, you know, how, how the food looks as it's cooking. And subhanAllah, they say that by doing that, it actually ignites the part of your brain that readies your body to accept the nourishment. SubhanAllah, just, just by that, you know, process of, of paying attention to, you know, using all of your senses to pay attention while you're preparing the food. Um, and then the third one is centering yourself. So before beginning the meal, you know, sit down, you know, you take a deep breath, um, give yourself permission to just completely enjoy the food in front of you. And, and, you know, and part of this is like we were saying before, this is kind of built into our Dean. You know, we have the dua that we make, you know, when we break our fast and that kind of, you know, helps us to just take a minute to center ourselves, you know, before we start eating, um, you know, say Bismillah, express gratitude, you know, for firstly to Allah and then to all the people that had a hand in, in growing your food and making your food, you know, including yourself, if you're the one that has prepared it. Um, and, and then doing it like, again, doing it intentionally, right? Doing it like with your full heart, not just on autopilot. That's what I'm sat thinking, like, you know, subhanAllah, like we just say Bismillah and then we just gobble down again, subhanAllah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then while you're eating, I just realized I put on here six tips and there's only five tips. Um, anyways, uh, so while you're actually eating, you know, going back to using all of your senses, you know, really purposely paying attention to what does the food look like? What does it smell like? How does it feel in your hands or in your mouth? You know, how, what's the texture like? How does it taste? Is it savory? Is it sweet? Chewing very slowly. Um, you know, there's a lot of actually digestive enzymes that are in our saliva. So when you just take the time to chew slowly, it's going to improve, you know, the digestion of the foods, subhanAllah. Um, you know, even trying to identify, you know, the ingredients and the different flavors in the food. Um, so really using all of your senses, this can really help, you know, if someone feels that they kind of need to heal their relationship with food, this can really, really help um, in that process. And, you know, it can be fun too with children, you know, to help them understand and appreciate what they're eating. You know, I have um, one of my sons, he's, you know, when he, when he sits down to eat, he, he often wants to just, you know, literally inhale the food. I mean, he just doesn't even stop to take a breath. And, and so I'll try to teach him, you know, you can put your fork down, you know, in between bites and you can take a deep breath and, you know, just really, mm -hmm 
favor. And you end up eating so much less when you do that because you're actually, you know, appreciating, you know, every bite that you're taking. And then um, the last one, listening to your body. So this one um, is so, so important. And I think it's a skill that children have, but as we grow up, we kind of lose that skill. You know, kids will often, you know, they'll, they'll start eating and then, you know, halas, I'm full, I don't wanna eat anymore. You know, whereas adults, a lot of times we've lost the ability to really listen to our body and to know when we're full. And so then we just end up overeating. And, you know, I think especially during Ramadan, this is a big problem for a lot of people. So, you know, just kind of honoring those internal cues as natural and healthy. Um, and, you know, just recognizing when you've had enough to eat and when you want more. And so they say that like a major sign of fullness is that the food actually becomes less appetizing. So like it doesn't taste as good as it did um, when you began the meal. And, you know, when I first read this, I, I didn't really believe it. I was like, you know, food tastes like food. I mean, it doesn't matter, you know, what part of the meal you're in, it's going to taste like food. But then I, I actually started to pay attention to this. And I realized, you know, even if I'm eating something like very, very delicious, like ice cream or something, after I, after my body knows, okay, you've had enough, it, the taste actually changes. It's, it's not as delicious, you know, once you start to become full as it was at the beginning, you know? Um, and, and I think like uh, one thing that can really help to kind of like, if, if somebody has lost touch with those cues to kind of uh, get back to that is reducing your sugar and your processed foods. Cause these can really disrupt, um, you know, the body's natural fullness cues. I mean, if you just think like, if you ate, if you started eating a bag of potato chips, I mean, how often are you just going to have like three potato chips and be like, oh, okay, you know, alhamdulillah, I don't want any more. You know, I mean, normally, I mean, most people when they eat potato chips, it's like, you can't stop. Right. I mean, they're just so delicious and salty and oily and, you know, either you just force yourself to stop or you just keep eating until you feel sick, you know? So, you know, but compare that to like an apple or something. I mean, you're not going to, overeat on apples. I mean, you'll have one apple usually at the most and then, you know, alhamdulillah, that's enough for you. You know, you don't need to eat anymore. Um, so yeah, just kind of like getting back in touch with those cues. And then, you know, if, if you do find yourself eating, you know, un, like uncontrollably in a, in a more than you want to be eating, you know, you can always just limit the amount of food that you put on your plate at first. So maybe just start out with a small plate and then eat that and then just wait five minutes. You know, most likely the food isn't going anywhere. You know, you can just, just sit there, take a few deep breaths, you know, wait five minutes. And then if you're still hungry after five minutes, then go back for more, you know, allow yourself that, but just, you know, be sure that you're really, you know, listening to your body. Just start taking notes. Yes, very, very insightful. And I, again, I want to share a practice that, uh, you know, you were saying a lot of the times, you know, we pick up things from our childhood, right? And uh, something that I used to do when my kids were younger is just, I used to, every time I cook, the food is ready. I used to serve them and wait until all of them eat. And I used to, you know, collect all the leftovers and eat that. And uh, this is something that I picked up from my mom, right? 
My mom was also uh, always in a rush. She, she's also a pediatrician, by the way. She's retired after 40 years of practice. So she's full-time home now. And um, I remember her being in a rush all the time, you know, night shifts, day shifts, and she would cook in a rush. And um, this is something that I have subconsciously picked up from her that she would always serve us food, the kids, and she would wait until we eat. She'd be busy, you know, busying herself in the kitchen, doing something, you know, tidying up or packing food for the next day or something. And then she would just eat the leftovers, right? And this is something that I did as well, like for a few years after I became a mother and which the habit that I broke and changed later on because it was just not serving me. It was just not serving me. And um, I started paying more attention, like you said, you know, to the food I eat because it just like, I want to have, I don't want to have this, uh, you know, bitter and resentful relationship that uh, uh, I'm eating like everybody's leftovers and everybody's getting used to that as well. And no, now I, when I cook, I serve myself first I sit down and, you know, I eat with them and just chewing more, like you said, you know, gives you more satisfaction and you end up eating so much less, subhanAllah. It's so true that this is mindful eating uh, practice. Unfortunately, again, something that, you know, we we now live in a very uh, kind of, uh, rushed, you know, hustle, hustle culture, they call it like everybody's in and out of the house, in and out of the car, you know, there are things to get done and there's not much time and uh, everybody's pressed for time. And so we we are always in a rush, right? We are always in a rush. And the, the, the thing that I find is there's eating in a rush and eating mindfully you there's not much of a difference in terms of time timing like you are not losing or wasting time by eating more mindfully yeah for sure it's yeah everybody is like you know sometimes we think that oh i don't have time but it actually it it serves you in a way that helps you to be more efficient to be more effective and you end up you actually end up saving time you know and just I, I think we have to we, we we have come a long way just generally in terms of like mindfulness and contemplation and this is one of the purpose of Ramadan as well right these are the things of the 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 mind we we, we now have a generation of people that who cannot deal with uh, solitude, for example, because they have constantly, constantly been occupied uh, in some shape or form by noise, you know, and it's like maybe entertainment or people or uh, socialization or gadgets in, in some shape or form, right? And this... The, the idea of contemplation like tafakkur is really really important and it's it's uh, it's exercise of the mind and we have to apply it in all areas of life including eating including uh, eating uh, and subhanallah I, I love your tips 
They're very practical. I think and, um, what, you know, what you just mentioned about what your mother used to do, I think what I used to do was even worse than this because I would eat my own meal and then I would eat the leftovers of the kids because, you know, I didn't want anything to go to waste. Yeah. So end up just like stuffing myself. And finally, I told myself, I mean, what, I mean, is it really worth, you know, yes, you don't want to waste food, but is it really worth like, you know, jeopardizing my own health? I mean, if they have leftovers, okay, we'll give it to the cats in the street or, you know, it doesn't mean that I have to just eat, you know, everything in sight that they don't finish. So, yeah, that's it's just yeah, so definitely, definitely. Zakhmahair for this uh, awesome uh, discussion. Mashallah, very informative, very insightful. And Dr. Laura will also be joining us at the Marhabanya Ramadan, the virtual camp for women and children. She'll be presenting a workshop on uh, nourishing your body and soul for Ramadan with more insightful tips and more informative uh, ideas on how we can gain the maximum ajr from this Ramadan, uh, inshallah. So if you have not signed up yet, please do sign up. Um, and you can find the links directly below this video, inshallah. And Dr. Lara, any final thoughts to wrap up? So what should be in our Ramadan plate for iftar and suhoor? Just the final thoughts, inshallah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so just going back to balance, you know, so making sure you have fiber, protein, healthy fats. You know, if you're going to have carbohydrates, make sure they're complex carbohydrates. Um, avoiding sugar, especially in drinks. And, you know, I mean, when we, when we have too much sugar, then it's like the whole rest of the evening, you know, our blood sugar is just on this roller coaster ride of up and down, up and down. Um, so by kind of having a balance of all of your macronutrients, that's going to kind of help to um, keep your blood sugar stable. And then um, staying hydrated, you know, throughout the night. I think this is a, a one that a lot of people forget, you know, to, to drink water or, you know, herbal tea or, um, you know, any nourishing, you know, hydrating drinks throughout the night. And then trying to avoid caffeine, you know, as much as possible. I think that's another one that, you know, if someone's addicted to caffeine, it's good to start from now to kind of prepare, you know, maybe if you switch out your coffee with, you know, half decaf, you know, half um, regular caffeinated coffee and, you know, just kind of to gradually, um, you know, uh, get rid of that addiction. Yeah. That'll make things yeah. a lot easier. Yeah, subhanAllah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I agree with caffeine. Like, I mean, I gave a coffee because I had a lot of uh, uh, sleeping problems lately, subhanAllah, and uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. And also I, um, started using more uh, essential oils you know I uh, yeah essential oils some of them like uh, you can even have with your teas and obviously like diffusing and in in many ways I never realized that you could use them like for variety of purposes and in many different ways that's that's probably a discussion of another topic and but I'm just saying that subhanallah if if anybody uh, has uh, you know, uh, irregular sleeping patterns or suffer from insomnia or any sleep-related issues, definitely um, avo avoid caffeine and try to look into essential oils, inshallah. Yeah, for sure.
And uh, Dr. Lara, Jazakallah Khair for this very informative discussion once again. And please do visit Dr. Lara's website, drlaraskitchen.com. She's also active on Instagram and you will be amazed by her beautiful pictures and recipes. Very easy to follow, mashallah. I, I love your pictures. Uh, and um, also, Dr. Lara, to book a free discovery session. Yeah, so that's for the health coaching that I do. So I'm a functional medicine health coach. So um, if if anyone is interested in health coaching, they can just go to my website and um, get more information about that. Allah, I think I'll be the first one to book a session with you. Uh, I definitely need <laughs> to uh, fix a lot of health-related issues, which I was telling you before the podcast. Jazakallah khair once again. Uh, ladies, if you are tuning in to today's podcast, please share the khair, follow uh, us on uh, social media at Raising, uh, Raising Young Scholars and give Dr. Lara a follow try to engage in this discussion by commenting in the comment section and uh, share this video with family and friends who may find it useful, inshallah. Jazakumullah khair and assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.